but uh, just just to start off with here. And uh, so th- this message will be uh, on the holiness of God. We are going to talk about deep theology, and this will not be a Bible college lecture. Deep theology, theology is not something that should be some nebulous thing that you know the clergy studies off back in some dark office. Uh, having a proper understanding of who God is, the study of God, has, a, has very practical implications to every decision that you make in life. In fact, I firmly believe that every decision that you make in life will be impacted by your view of God. And if, that is, if you have a, a faulty view of God or a misunderstanding of certain attributes of God, that will have a very negative impact on your life. And so, you know, as, as, as Christians, of course, we are very concerned with, with the pursuit of God, as it was learning about God, developing our relationship with God. So it's what we will look at this morning is this one specific attribute, the holiness of God. This has been on my mind via our, our Sunday school curriculum, the Bible college curriculum. It's, it's been on my mind, so I believe this is what the Lord would have me to preach on this morning. So I will start off just by reading Psalm 99 and verse 9. It says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. I'm going to go ahead and pray, then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you so much for your wonderful word. Thank you that it tells us about you and that we and how we can have a relationship with you and uh, it tells us the, the purpose and meaning of life that is found in, in, in God. We pray that you would open our minds and our hearts this morning as we seek to learn about you. We pray that you please give me clarity of thought and of words and uh, help me to say only what you would have me to say. pray if there's any here that uh, doesn't know for sure uh, about their eternal security about about their salvation. Lord, we pray that you would convict them, work on their hearts this morning as well. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, holiness. First of all, definition of holiness means to be whole, to be entire, to be perfect, to be pure in heart or free from sin. It's kind of a general definition of holiness. And typically when we think of the word holiness, we think of somebody who is who is who is pure, you know, somebody who is striving after righteousness. They're not living in sin or, or, or anything like that. Uh, as, it is, as it applies to God, holiness uh, signifies perfectly pure, immaculate, complete in moral character. God is perfectly pure. Uh, holiness could also be defined as the combination of, of all of other God's, all of the other attributes of God, all of God's attributes together, combine those, you get holiness. Uh, holiness is the most significant attribute of God, as, as brought out in Scripture. There is no one uh, character of God that is brought out more than His holiness, it is given more importance, is given more stress than His holiness. Uh, the Bible describes God's holiness as, as being His nature. As, you know, when we uh, uh, strive to, to be holy, you know, we, we strive to do holy things. You know, we try to do 
righteousness. We try to do things that are, that are right, that are not wrong. God doesn't try to do that. God is holy. That's who he is. He is the definition of holiness. He's the one who sets the standard of this is what holiness is. And uh, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, we'll look at this verse here. Exodus 15 and verse 11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Glorious in holiness. God is glorious in holiness. That is what gives him his glory. His glory, that is what makes him... Uh, so great is, is his holiness. Uh, not, if God didn't have his holiness, his other attributes wouldn't matter. His holiness is the most significant attribute of God. As this verse states in verse 11, you know, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? There is no one else like God. There is nothing else like God. You know, okay, so Moses here is referring to you know, the gods. Maybe, you know, he's speaking to the children of Israel, so in their minds, they're probably thinking of the gods of Egypt, you know, maybe they're thinking of the golden calves that they worshipped, or of their sun god, or these different gods that God had just, uh, in the plagues against Egypt, you know, he just totally annihilated them and proved them to be false gods and, and, and not even existing, um, but... And us today, you know, uh, not to take this out of context, but, you know, the Bible teaches that anything that is put in front of God in our lives is idolatry. That would be equivalent to a false god. So, typically, our false gods aren't the ones that we make a little statue and bow down to and pray, you know, in the mornings. Um, It is something else. It is some other pursuit, some other person. Some, some desire, something that we put more importance on than God. We make that higher than God. That, that's, that's, a, that's a God. That's a God to you. That's a false God. So, but there's, n- there's no other God out there that is like unto our God, the Lord God Jehovah. There's nothing else that can be compared to him. God is the ultimate perfection. And I'm, I'm kind of giving some... Uh, some general definitions here. We're going we're gonna to give some very practical applications to these. God is the ultimate perfection. There will never be a, a disappointing imperfection found in the Lord. The more that you explore God, the more that you learn about God, the better He gets. This is one of the great things about His holiness. Holiness could also be defined as a lack of disappointment. When you, uh, when you, when you learn more about God, and the more you uh, seek after God, the more you learn more about God, the more you seek to know Him in His Word and practically follow His Word every day in obedience to Him every day, you will never come across some kind of imperfection. You will never come across something that is disappointing. You'll never be disappointed in, in your relationship with the Lord. He's the only thing like that. He's the only person, the only thing you could ever search after, the only thing you could ever follow that you will not find a disappointment in. 
Um, I know there's been many times where I've been disappointed in something, you know. Um, all of us could think of things, you know, various pursuits in life, maybe some type of purchase or an investment, something that, you know, you maybe turned out good, maybe not so good, but in some way there's still some kind of disappointment. You know, uh, last year I purchased a new vehicle, you know, not a, it was an old vehicle, but new to me. You know, my, my excursion, like, all right, I like this vehicle, big vehicle, lots of kids, fill them up, you know, lots of seats in that excursion. Brother John helped me with that, 11 people in that, I love it, it's good. But, you know, and I like this, you know, so I, I paid money for this vehicle, and, and it's, it's something that, that I really like, but you know what, I have found some disappointments in my excursion, you know, <laughs> a couple little problems here or there, not too much, I really like it, but I still, I found some disappointments in it, you know, there's some problems with it. You know, or you know, in my house, my wife and I bought a house a couple years ago. We like our house, but you know what? I found some disappointments with my house. You know, uh, that's been just about everything in life. Some things, I, even though I really good, really like them, I can still find some disappointments. Some things are total disappointments. But um, uh, like, I could think of, well, it's kind of trivial. But I bought a really bad batch of coffee the other week. That was really disappointing. I mean, getting a bad bag of coffee. That's disappointing. But typically, coffee doesn't have a lot of disappointment. I know someone disagree here, but no, that one does. But um, anyways, uh, you know, what, what, most things we pursue in life come with disappointments. Re- relationships with people, our relationships that we have, whether it's, you know, a family member, even a spouse or a friend or whatnot, there will be disappointments in your relationships with other people. There will be at one point or another. You will find some imperfection in that person. You will find that some wrong that they do to you or something wrong with them. You know, there will be disappointments. But not with God. He is the only one that is holy, that is perfectly holy, that is without disappointment. He's perfect. You will never find a disappointing imperfection in God when you pursue a relationship with him. It will not be there. God's holiness cannot allow his character to be tarnished by failure. God will not ever fail. He will never fail you. He will never fail to keep one of his promises to you. If you will commit your life to God, God will not fail you. God will not, he doesn't, he doesn't dangle some you know, temptation in front of you, you know, follow me and I'll give you all these great things and then you follow God and oh, that didn't happen, sorry, too bad. It's not how it is with the Lord. It's not how it is. God doesn't fail us. His holiness cannot allow it. So this, uh, this obviously this is um, some pretty, pretty uh, bold claims. You know, God is holy, and there are a lot of implications to this. There are implications uh, of having a holy God. The fact that God exists, the Almighty Creator exists, and the fact that He is holy. And uh, along those lines of what we were just mentioning, one of the first implications of this is that God is worth pursuing. The only one worth pursuing. Look at Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. Kind of similar to what we're looking at in Exodus. Look at Revelation chapter 15.
Uh, Revelations 15, verse 3 through 4. And they sing the song of Moses. So we were just reading about back in Exodus 15. The servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy ways, and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations come and worship before thee, and for thy judgments are made manifest. Thou only art holy. Again, we just made this point to reiterate, to reiterate it here. God is the only one that is holy. What does that mean practically for me? What does it mean? If God is the only one who is holy, He is the only God that is holy. He is the only person that is holy. What does that mean practically for me? How should that affect my everyday life, my everyday behavior? Well, it, I, I believe that should mean that God should be the most important thing in my life. He should be the one that I pursue above all else. If He's the only one that is holy, if He is the only one that is without disappointment, why would I pursue another God? Why would I pursue something else? Why would I put any? Why would I put, you know, a career? Why would I put my family? Why would I put whatever it may be? Fill in the blank. Why would I put that above God? He's the only one who is holy. There is, there is no one else that can compare to him. He should, be, he should have the preeminence in our life. This is the book of Colossians. Says. We'll get to Colossians in a minute as well. He should have the preeminence in our life. Let's look at Second uh, Peter 3, verse 11. Quick here. <clears throat> Is uh, seeing then, we'll just kind of jump in the middle of the context here. This is a great passage of scripture, but Second uh, Peter three eleven says, "Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? All these things shall be dissolved. <laughs> God's not going to be dissolved. If you invest your time." your money, your desires, your heart. You invest your life, everything you have, into the Lord God that will not be in vain. It will not dissolve. You know, this is Matthew chapter 6. This is the book of Ecclesiastes right here. It's not going to go away. You, whatever else you invest that in, it will one day dissolve. All these things. This is talking about literally here, okay, um, at the at the end of the millennial reign, God is going to destroy, you know, destroy the earth, create a new earth. So, don't put uh, something that's going to dissolve ahead of God, you know, in front of God. Don't pursue, you know, um, don't, uh, much as I love my, my excursion, I don't love my excursion, I like my excursion. I'm not going to stay home on Sunday mornings to install a new suspension on my excursion, you know. I'm not going to put that above God. That excursion is dissolving before my eyes. <laughs> you know, I'm not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, God matters, you know. I'm not, when I get up in the mornings, you know, I, I'm going to put God first. He matters. 
He's worth getting up a little bit earlier to spend that time with Him, to get my mind in the right place and have that fellowship with God, to read His Word on my own, you know, and pray. God is worth that. He's worth it. And that's not going to be an uh, a investment that will be disappointing. Uh, another implication of a holy God. God always does what is right. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. We're a lesson behind for all the other Sunday school classes here, so we were talking about the Trinity today. But um, the fact of the security that we have in God and the fact that he always does what is right. We are in God, you know, and the Holy Spirit is in us and sealed us, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in God. That means that nothing can happen to us without God allowing it. You know, for the Christian, for the one who is a child of God, who's accepted Christ as your Savior, nothing can happen to you unless God allows it. There is immense security in that. Not insecure, not type of security that, you know, nothing bad will ever happen, but that nothing will happen that God doesn't allow. So that when bad things or unexpected things do happen, you, you know what? God allowed that, and God is holy. God always does what is right. We have that security in the holiness of God. The fact that God always does what is right, even if it didn't fit into our future plans. God does what is right. God knows what he's doing. Also, another implication of a holy God is God's holiness gives us a right perspective of ourselves. Consider the examples in the Bible of men's encounters uh, with, with God, with God's holiness. Um, you know, uh, Moses in Exodus 33 I'll, turn there. I'll just turn there quickly, mention this quickly. But we've got Moses in Exodus 33, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, Ezekiel, Daniel, John, all these men who encountered the Lord. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, or, I'm sorry, it's Exodus 34, I think I said 33. But, you know, God, God reveals just a little bit of himself to Moses in Exodus 34. Um, verse 5 says, The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children and unto the third and fourth generation. And Moses, verse 8, Moses' response, And Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth. And worships that if if I if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity, and pardon our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. Moses' response here: He humbles himself. He himself. He worships God. He's confessing his sin, the sin of his people. This is his response to to God. Uh, Isaiah chapter six is, of course, a familiar one, and and. Uh, 
just an incomparable one in Scripture. But I'll just read this quickly. Isaiah 6, you know, I've got Isaiah here. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the post of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, you know, similar to Moses, and we can also look at Ezekiel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 7, John and Revelation chapter 1. Um, these men that encounter God, the holiness of God, they, they see it, they, you know, they're in the presence of the Almighty God. They're, how they view themselves after that is, is very telling. You know, it results in humbling themselves, bowing down before the Lord, and in, in confessing their sin. You know, Isaiah says, Woe is me! I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. It gives us, the holiness of God gives us a right perspective of ourselves. When we understand who God is, you know, and His holiness, it helps us view ourselves in the right way and not to lift ourselves up too much. So that, you know, we can apply this practically to what we mentioned before. You know, God always does what's right. When something bad happens to us, one way that will practically help you is do you have the correct understanding of who you are, a correct perspective of who you are before a holy and righteous God? When God chooses to do something unexpected in your life, you'll have a better response because you won't think, oh, how dare God do that to someone like me? No, you'll realize, man, woe am I. I am undone. Compared to the holiness of God, I'm nothing. You know, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve any goodness from God. It gives us the right perspective of ourselves. It will show us the error of being enamored with ourselves. We love ourselves. We do. I love myself. I brush my teeth every day. You should, I should. No, I do. Brush my teeth. I feed myself. I make myself coffee. I, you know, I put myself to bed. I comb my hair. I dress myself. I love myself. You know, I do so much for myself. We love ourselves very much. You know, <laughs> I don't like brushing other people's teeth. Sometimes I have to brush Ethan's, Ethan's teeth, Enoch's teeth. I don't like doing that. You know, but I, I brush my own teeth. You know, I really love myself. We all love ourselves. And, uh, you know, that's just how we are. That's how we are. You know, every person thinks that, and, and, and maybe not, I make a broad generalization here, but, but um, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, I have a lot of kids, and I like my, my, two of my kids here. I praise the Lord for my kids. I think I have great kids. <laughs> but kids are kids, and sometimes adults are, act like kids too. But usually we think that we are the smartest most intelligent, best-looking, strongest person in the room. You know, that's our general perspective and image of ourselves, you know. <laughs> and, um, it, and, but seeing the holiness of God for what it is, that will help to change that, to correct that. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not the most important person here. In fact, I am really low on the totem pole here. <laughs> um, God is worthy of worship and, and glory because he is holy. You know, when we are doing that to ourselves, you know, when we're trying to lift ourselves up or we think we're great, we're seeking glory for ourselves. We're seeking glory. You're like, you know, we're commanded to glorify God. God wants us to glorify Him. He seeks glory. Why does God deserve that glory? Why does He deserve that? According to the Bible, it's because 
of his holiness because he is holy. We are far from holy. <laughs> we, we, are, we are sinners by nature. We do not deserve glory. We do not deserve. So keep that in mind. You know, it help us to have a right perspective of ourselves. Uh, another implication of the holiness of God here. So Colossians chapter 3. Look at this briefly. Holiness. And this is more of a implication of us pursuing holiness, you know, striving to live a holy life before God. Uh, we do that because of, because of God. Colossians chapter 3. Let me just briefly read the first couple of verses here. Actually, I think we looked at this a couple weeks ago at the teen activity. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry." So I'll stop there, but just these uh, first few verses here. You know, uh, that verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life. So the idea here of, of pursuing God, you know, Christ is our life. Christ is, Christ is life. Um, that's, where, that's where life is. That's where a fulfilled, uh, a fulfilled life is, is in Christ. He is our life. So, if you are seeking purpose and fulfillment, if you're seeking life anywhere besides Christ, you're not going to find it. It's in Christ. That's where it is. And the reason why I believe, um, you know, Apostle Paul, or God, through using the Apostle Paul, brings up, you know, verse, verse, uh, verse 5 here, you know, in the few verses down the rest of this chapter, mortify therefore your members, draw upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, in order and affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The direction he's going here, he's going to, towards this immorality. He's going towards this immorality, this, this, you know, this uncleanness, this fornication. Why does he go there? Because that's what the devil uses a lot of times. He, to, he puts in front of us as something to pursue, to seek life, to seek joy, to seek fulfillment, to seek purpose. It's these types of things. It's very common for him to use these types of things to put in front of us to seek it. It's not there. It's not there. It's in Christ. Fulfilling our own desires, fulfilling our own lusts, that is not life. Christ is our life. Pursue Christ. Holiness will lead to a fulfilling life. You know, again, that's the book of Ecclesiastes, right there. Um, pursuing God leads to a fulfilling and purposeful life. Okay, uh, lastly here, just wrapping it up. I only have a few more minutes here left. Um, Holiness and the Christian, what does this mean for us, Christian? What, what about us being holy? What, what, about, what about that? Um, we have to be holy to, to be with God. Let's see, uh, Hebrews 12, 14. I'll mention this uh, just quickly. It says, um, <clears throat> follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. The Bible says in Habakkuk one thirteen that God has pure eyes to behold iniquity. So the first and very important implication of holiness and the Christian, you know, sin 
prevents us from being with God. Sin prevents us from being with God. Why? God is holy. You know, we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God, as Romans 3.23 tells us. God's requirements for holiness are expressed in the law. Romans 1, 16 through 17, Psalm 119, 123, 137, 138, 140, Romans 7, 12, Romans chapter 2. Is God, the Bible makes it clear. God's requirements for holiness are expressed in the law. That's what the law is, the Old Testament law, Ten Commandments being the essence of that. It's, it's God's expression of his holiness. So here, if you want to be holy, you want to meet my requirement for holiness, how I define holiness, Here's what you do. Boom. That's the law right there. That is God's requirement for holiness. We cannot meet that requirement. You cannot. You, cannot, you, you can try. You will not meet that requirement. It is impossible. And, the, and that, the purpose of the law, the law was not given for us to strive to fulfill the law so we can meet God's requirements for holiness and earn this relationship with God. That is not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to teach us God's holiness and teach us that you cannot do it. You are dependent upon something else. You are incomplete. And we are all, Romans 7 uh, teaches us that we are all condemned by the law. And Galatians, of course, teaches that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And, um, and I think most people here are familiar with the law, the Ten Commandments. And I don't want familiarity to be something, to be where, okay, let's just, we know about that, let's move on. You know, think about it. Think about it. Law, the, some of those requirements. You know, thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay. How many times a day do you think you bear false witness? How many times do you lie? I mean, just a little bit, a little lie. How many times a day do you do that? I don't like to think about that. That adds up, you know. How many times a day do, do we sin with our thoughts, with our mind? As Christ said, we'll be judged by that. We're, the law certainly does condemn us. As Matthew chapter 5 teaches, you know, Jesus said, you know, whosoever uh, looketh on another with anger, he's going to be guilty of murder. Uh, you know, God's going to judge him of murder. Of thou shalt not kill, of that commandment. The commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Even that will be judged uh, based upon our, our thoughts, our hearts, the thoughts and intents of our heart. If we have lusted after another, we'll be guilty of that commandment of adultery. When we look at God's requirements in that way, we begin to see ourselves very short of the glory of God, as Romans chapter 3 says, was very short of God's holiness. Yeah. But this is, of course, the reason for the gospel, the reason for the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming down, as we have, you know, we we are imperfect. We are we are we have fallen short of the glory of God. We are in sin, and the the penalty of sin is Revelation chapter twenty, Revelation chapter twenty one, is death in the lake of fire forever. That is the, God's just and righteous penalty on all sinners. But we're all sinners. We're all unholy. Yes, but um, that, that 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 is the reason for the Lord Jesus Christ coming. Right there. You see, God is holy, but God is love. There's, God's attributes all work together in one. Something had to happen to satisfy God's holiness and justice 
and his love at the same time in order for allow us to have a relationship with him. We were created to have a relationship with him. So what we're talking about here, Christ is our life. God is holy. He's the only one worth pursuing. He's the only one worth living for. That's why we were created. We were created to have that relationship with God where every day we have this fulfilling, purposeful life where, we're, where you know, we have the Holy Spirit and, we're, and, and we, we have uh, this relationship with our Creator. And we do what we were made to do. We do what we are designed to do. You cannot do that without having uh, received salvation from Christ. That is the first step. That is the first step. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came. That is why he came, was to offer himself as the perfect, holy, righteous uh, substitute, God's, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God for our sin. That's what he did when he died on the cross. Is he, was taken, he was holy. He never sinned, not once. He was God in the flesh. He was 100% man, 100% God, without sin. He went to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, to pay death on the cross. That is what he did on his death on the cross. The Bible tells us that the, in order to receive salvation, is we accept it by faith, by repentance and faith. We acknowledge who God is. We acknowledge who we are. We acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. And we accept his death on the cross as, uh, as sufficient for our salvation. And that is, that is salvation. Is not in striving to do it on your own. You accept that you can't do it, and you accept what Christ did on the cross for you. That is how you gain, in Second Corinthians 5.21, this is where that applies right here. This is how we get that holiness. You know, he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the first step to Holiness applies to us. You need the righteousness of Christ applied to you through salvation. That is, that is the only way to escape judgment, coming judgment. That is the only way to have that relationship with God, to have that relationship with your Creator. And holiness, lastly, uh, just wrapping it up here, holiness, uh, with holiness in the Christian, holiness allows us to fulfill our purpose. You know, we could look at the example of the nation of Israel. In Exodus 19, God laid out God's purpose for Israel. He wanted them to be a place uh, where, where God could dwell there in, with them, among his people. And, you know, we have Psalm 50. It says that God wanted Jerusalem to be the, the glorious and holiest. He wanted it to be the perfection of beauty. You know, that was God's purpose for Israel. But they failed in that. They failed in that because of the lack of holiness. Our purpose to follow God, to, to pursue God, very much involves being holy. First Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is the key to us. If we're now, say, you know, say I'm a Christian, I, I, I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, now I want to live for God. You've got you to do what we read in Colossians chapter 3. Mortify these, the, your members which are upon the earth. Put to death. Those, those, uh, those lusts and those desires of the old nature. Mortify them, put them to death. Seek after holiness, seek after God. That's how you fulfill your, your purpose as a Christian. And, uh, and so holiness, God's holiness, is, a, is the most significant attribute uh, of God brought out in Scripture. And uh, it means that God is, is the only one worth pursuing, the only one without disappointment. 
And God always does what's right. He gives us the right perspective of ourselves. And uh, we have to accept the righteousness, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to have that, that holiness, to have salvation. And, and holiness will allow us to fulfill our purpose. All right, and I'm going to 